like a leaf back in then. And I, you know, I was kind of interested, but not because I was so frightened. Yeah. And uh, yes, but that was preparing me. I've looked back and there are reasons for everything. Absolutely. It's, it's fascinating. I really, it, this is the biggest adventure, you know, if, if rather well, than thinking about we're just surviving, think about thriving and think about how fun this is. What are they, what's God going to show you or the universe going to show you today? Because yeah. it's like we're, we're on an adventure collecting the golden nuggets of knowledge. Um, and you know, maybe this day is not going to be as active as another, but it is leading to you to someplace. And I think it's, I think it's wonderful. Um, they did the panel of beans did show me, uh, I, that, you got to accentuate the positive. Wow! I feel good. A little bit of feel good goes a long way. You're listening to Karen Swain, teacher of deliberate creation, accentuating the positive, showing you a way to a better life. Accentuating the positive, it's not just bad, it's sanity. Who in their right mind would accentuate anything else? If you feel like that's what you want to do. Hello and welcome to another show, Accentuating the Positive with Karen Swain. As always, wonderful to be with you again. And please remember, if you're liking the shows, to share the shows and with your friends and in groups on Facebook. And please subscribe and press that bell button. And if you want to support ATP Media, you can do so on our affiliate links on my website for all the books that we talk about in the shows. You can buy the books on our affiliate link. Today, I have the most gorgeous woman to introduce you to. Her name is Janet Tarantino. Thanks for being on the show, Janet. Now, I pronounced your name right, didn't I? Tarantino. Yes, you did. Yes, yes, you did. Is that an Italian name? Yes, it is. Is your husband mm -hmm. Italian? Well, it was my previous husband and he was Italian. Yes. Oh, okay. Your previous husband, he was Italian. <laughs> So let me read your bio because uh, you have an extensive story. Uh, I've listened to a couple of your shows that you've done with other people, but you didn't. You haven't shared all of it. I suppose you have in your book, but we're going to get through a little bit today, and we'll get into some discussions, philosophical discussions. Okay, here we go. Janet Tarantino describes herself as a retired network coordinator, inventor, author, NDE speaker, and researcher caregiver, friend and mother. She spent her childhood in Iowa, eventually settling in Colorado, where she had a long career as a well-respected network coordinator for a major corporation. One night around the year 2000, Janet had a transcendental experience where she suffered, suffocated to death due to an allergy. During her NDE, she discovered answers to many of her burning questions as she experienced a godly presence, Jesus, the nature of the soul, her guardian angel and other spiritual beings. While in the depth of this life-altering experience, she was shown moments of her life and told, these are moments that matter, understand them. Janet has since realised she's had three near-death experiences starting in 1969 and another in 1992 during a car accident and the last one around the year 2000 where she was shown future events. All of the life moments she was shown 
uh, during her NDEs have occurred now and after years of silence, Janet is ready to reveal what she saw and learned and how this can impact humanity. Janet writes about her near-death experiences and other spiritual experiences in her book, Dying to See, Revelations About God, Jesus, Our Pathways and the Nature of the Soul. Her stories include angelic guidance, in the mortal world, spirit communication, soul contracts, and much more. Janet's now working on her second book, which includes more of her story and the wisdom gained from her parents' visionary experiences as they neared their final days. It will also include more mind-boggling adventures from other near-death experiences. experiences. Her current goal is to become a hospice volunteer, giving helping help and peace or just a friendly ear to individuals who are traveling forward into everlasting life so you haven't done that yet you haven't become a hospice volunteer I have called them but I haven't made it in yet I think probably it's because of all this COVID stuff they're being very careful about oh absolutely Um, yeah absolutely yeah they're the people that are suffering the most really the people in the old people I was talking to my Italian neighbor uh yesterday yesterday day before anyway and she was just saying how much she misses her grandmother because they just won't let her go and see her and we've got in Sydney you know they're talking about in Australia how they're talking about around the world how Australia's going through these terrible lockdowns but only in one part of which is a city called Melbourne but in Sydney it's pretty um free and easy bright and breezy except for the elderly they're just being imprisoned unfortunately and their family not allowed to see them which is a shame so I suspect that when that all settles down your help will be greatly um, appreciated yes I hope so I'm I just have a real connection with with elderly people and I'd like to use it I I was given that for a reason so I would like to use it in a good way especially after taking care of my mom and dad that was that was fantastic how long ago did they pass they just passed last year they they just have been gone a year now Uh, dad was in September and mom uh, nine days later in October so so I'd love to hear about what you experienced with them will you remind me if I forget Uh, yes (laughs) we'll get we'll get into your experiences so you know you had a couple of NDEs before you realized that I think the last one made you realize that, oh, my God, I've kind of experienced something like this before when you were younger. And let's talk about what happened. Like what happened in 1969? 1969. Okay, I had the flu. Actually, I I was just moving from middle school to high school, and I was so excited, you know, about being in the dating age and, uh, you know, all that. And I had saved up money for for buying clothes to wear to school because I wanted to look nice. So I was all attuned to fashion. And, uh, and they had a, uh, an orientation at the school so that any of the new students that were coming in could go and find their homeroom class and then um, be given their locker numbers and their schedule and then they could go around and find all their classes. I was looking forward to that. But I didn't get to go because I felt ill. I had the the family had had one last summer picnic, and back in Iowa in those days there was no air conditioning, and and the the larger extended family cousins and aunts and uncles all went to the park and spent the day at the park. 
Um, now, whether or not I got sick just from a flu, from food poisoning, although it was a couple of days after, I would think with food poisoning, I would have you know, gotten it right away. And then I also found out later that there was E. coli in some of the water there. And I love to play in water, so it could have been that. Irregardless, whatever the case, I was sick for an extended length of time. And um, my mom removed my sister, because we shared the bedroom, from the room, and she slept in bed with me to make sure that I was okay. Well, you know, these things aren't, aren't, you know, people beside you don't see what's going on in these situations. But during the night, one particular night, I felt so sick and um, I felt like I, even though I was laying in bed, I felt like I fell out of my body. I felt, I felt dizzy and I felt like I fell out of my body. And, but when I blinked, uh, I looked up at the ceiling and the ceiling all turned to clouds. It transformed into clouds. And then uh, in one, on the left side of the room, uh, a tunnel opened up uh, in that area and another swirling motion opened up in to the right. And I looked into the, the first one, which was on the left, and in the distance, I saw a sumo wrestler. <laughs> and and he, was, he was in a white room uh, with, you know, his white clothing on and uh, for, for taking care of me and uh, with a top knot in his hair. And he uh, always watched me just always watched me. Even when he got up, he was watching me. And uh, he, he got up and he walked around the little white table and he seemed to be moving on fast speed, like uh, a film that flips by at the end, you know, you see it really fast. Uh, that's what he appeared to look to be like, his movements. Um, then I looked into the right and I heard the most beautiful music and, and in came this beautiful lady. Uh, I say that she almost, I felt like she was riding on the music because it was so beautiful. And she had on a white lace dress with layers of lace. And I was, you know, I was, had the fashion sense going on at the time. So I wasn't interested in her. I wanted to see her dress. And I thought of her at the time because of the music. I thought of her as the music box lady. Uh -huh. And uh -huh. I also thought of her as daddy's little girl. Um, and th those two things are significant because after he showed me, that was one of the moments of my life that he showed me. Um, I realized, and later, out, later on, I saw that that beautiful lady was my future daughter. Mm. Only she wasn't going to be conceived or born till 15 years later. Mm. So I, I believe that she came and was talking to my guide um, because she wanted me to get back in my body so that she could be born in the future. So and, and uh, in the meantime, while they were talking, I wanted to see her dress. So all of a sudden, in energetic form, I was up at her dress and I was 
looking in those little islet things, but they were the size of caverns mm. and, it, and they all had designs of themselves. And I, so I had gotten small enough where I could weave in and out of those islets as I went around her dress, looking at all the designs and, and the lace, because they looked like tunnels. And I felt like I was, I could feel my hair as I was uh, uh, going in and out of these tunnels, like I was a skier. Wow. Going down a hillside, you know, going around the the post as I, you know, headed for the finish line, and it was uh, then all of a sudden I went back to where I actually was above my body again, and when the music box lady left uh, at one point, she kind of went up and away, and I thought of Daddy was putting her on a pedestal. Um, but then she came back and she talked to the sumo wrestler who in the meantime was on normal speed because I had was when I first saw him, I was not yet in his dimension. So when I was had left my body and was then in his higher dimension, then he, he appeared to be on normal speed. So ah, interesting. Yeah. Interesting. So, okay. Interesting. So as you were perceiving him, Hmm. I was, yeah, I perceived him as a fast distance. Uh, yeah, yeah, but it's kind of like distance. Yeah, I'm just chatting with the mob. Um, they're just saying there's no distance, just frequency. Okay, okay, yeah, well, all right. So what they're saying is as you were perceiving him from your specific vibrational stance, right. you were experiencing him as faster he was vibrating faster and as you acclimated to that vibrational frequency he appeared to slow down so this is what right. they're saying uh, exactly which is so interesting because you know we talk about density in the third dimension and we appear to those in spiritual realms like we're in slow-mo no. <laughs> Because we're, we're experiencing density, vibrational frequency at a lot slower rate. So, yeah, that's so interesting that you say that. Okay, go on. Who was the sumo wrestler? Is he a guide? Who is he? He was my guide. Um, I didn't find that out till later. Right. Uh, that was another thing that uh, a moment that he showed me. Um, so that was one of the moments. And I believe that I was aware of the contract and I might have been aware of the conversation at the time too for thinking of her as daddy's little girl but that was erased from my mind because then I would have always been looking for the right person and I would have always wondered is this the father of the daughter that I'm supposed to have okay. so they let everything happen as it it was supposed to happen or, or was uh where they thought it would go so you were about 16 then about 15 16? 15 I think 15. I was 15 what did the yeah. 15 year old make of all that did you think it was just some crazy dream yes I did I thought it was just a crazy dream I was too interested in dating and I didn't want to think about it although afterwards I could feel I could feel beings above me which were uh -huh. frightening and because I didn't understand it. So uh -huh. I would, uh, my brothers and uh, my sister would stay up all night playing cards with me during the summer, you know, so that I, because I was afraid to sleep. Wow. And then during the day, I would sleep. 
And when I was alone, then I would put my back up to the corner of a room uh, so that I could see the room because I didn't want anything behind me because I was, I was fearful. I didn't understand what was going on. So, but yeah, I was more aware of things around me, but I tried not to think about it. So, but did, I, did anything I, else happen in that experience that you want to talk about? Or should we move on to the next I one? I think that's uh, pretty much it that I recall. So it's interesting that the experience, as opposed to enlightening you, kind of made you more fearful. Uh, yeah, because of yeah, your, and I didn't understand understand it. Uh, lack of understanding. Yeah, yeah. Actually, none of the experiences um, made sense to me immediately. Mm -hmm. I mean, third one, I knew what was going on, but I didn't know there was a name for it yet because mm -hmm. I hadn't discovered. Uh, Raymond Moody's book or any of the near-death had a near-death experience term to place with it. Mm -hmm. So I was guided to different things uh, till I was able to discover in the awareness of what happened. And, and that was uh, uh, with my daughter because he, uh, I say he, but it's the all that is, uh, Jesus, God, um, universal consciousness, whatever you want to call it. It's bigger than, it's bigger than, you know, so many people realize it's everything. It's around us. It's in us. It's just humongous. And um, my daughter was having, was in college and she was having bad dreams. And she called me up and she said, um, can you help me figure out what's going on? I keep having this recurring dream. And so I said, come on up. We'll go to the bookstore. I knew nothing about dreams. I mean, I was, uh, this was not in my forte at all because I was a network coordinator. And But I, when your child asks for help, you help them. So we went to the bookstore and uh, we looked through books, dream books, and they had symbology, and I wasn't comfortable with that. Uh, but all of a sudden, my eyes were drawn to this one book. Mm -hmm. And this one book, I just knew was something that I needed to read. And it was a book about dreams. And it was written by Sylvia Brown. Mm. And you are you familiar with Sylvia Brown? Yeah, a little bit. I yes. don't know, but you know, I've heard of. I knew. Yes, she she's was. a fan, was a fantastic medium. medium. Mm. Yes, and um, the the dream book did help Gina uh, dis discover what was going on that that she could so she could eliminate that dream. But in the very back of the book, there was a a excerpt from her upcoming book and it was about the afterlife and it described the dying process and the the light of love and the weightless freedom uh, etc in the tunnel and that was exactly what happened to me so then I knew that uh that was the dying process that I experienced oh, in my wow. third near-death experience so that obviously um, happened. You you found her book after two thousand, after your third. It was two years after that. Two years, wow. Two years after the experience. Isn't that so yeah? It's, wow. It's That's been a, a lifetime of a lifetime of discovery. 
kind of we could say a lifetime of remembering I think we all go through that and many of the people watching the shows you know I get so many emails from people as they watch all the different shows and they pick up all these different puzzle pieces and they go oh that's what that is that happened to me yeah yeah, it's so cool it's so cool that your daughter had this experience this dream and then wow it led you to more understanding it's funny that you wouldn't have sort of research that type of material had that not happened because you're kind of in your lane I'm in my corporate lane and I've got things to think about that don't include you know my crazy dreams <laughs> yeah. the universe wanted me to know that this Absolutely. all you know there was a reason behind this and and uh, the moments of our life are important uh, lessons and experiences that we've chosen to have for a higher purpose Oh, God, absolutely. Um, you know, I'm th- I've been thinking about you and I had a conversation with uh, someone on the show recently, I think it was Blossom, uh, about, and my guides were saying, there are just literally millions of people on this planet that have come to, to make a difference to this world in many different ways. Some are to reveal their experiences, you know, to speak about their experiences, but in many different ways to be healers. And so many of them have not, like they've not woken up or they've not had the courage to speak about what they went through or they've just ignored experiences, illnesses, wake-up calls and just got on with the process of living. And as I, you know, listen to your stories, I'm like, they were really knocking themselves out to wake you up. They really were. They really were. It was like, gosh, how many times do I have to show you this stuff? It was it was, and I was trying to keep putting it behind me, but there was just, they weren't having it. They just weren't having it. So. I know, it's so cool. Okay, so what happened to you in the car accident? It was in 92, wasn't it? Yeah, that was 1992. I had, I was a single mother uh, at that time. And um, my parents lived, of course, in Idaho, which is 800 miles away from Colorado. And so I don't get to see them very often and they didn't get to see their grandchildren. So my mom asked if uh, they could have the kids for a month and then they could spend some time with them and they wanted to take them to Disneyland uh, and then they would drive them home so they could visit with me too. Um, So they said, all I needed to do was get them there, which I did. I got them there, stayed for a few days and I had to get back to work on Monday So I decided to come back a few days early so I could have a little bit of time to myself before I had to go back to work. And I love gardening. Mm -hmm. And I had a beautiful deck with lots of flower pots on the back. And and they were just like screaming, you know, plant me, plant me, you know, uh, beautify me, fashion. I want my fashion. So I, it was a beautiful day, no skies, no clouds in the sky. And so I went to uh, buy flowers and I had had, uh, picked up all my flowers and all the dirt and everything that I needed to plant my little babies. And I was uh, only about a block and a half from the nursery and I had not put on my seatbelt yet. I was going to do it as I was driving and I had uh, stopped at the uh, the, uh, light, traffic light and proceeded through there was basically no traffic in the area there was traffic way behind me but it wasn't of a concern to me and 
there was only one car coming the opposite direction at that point in time. And it, since he wasn't turning, I wasn't concerned about him either. But then I went over, uh, there was a, a hill that I had to go down and then it went back up. It was a big hill. And I was in the middle lane because it was three lanes in both direction. And there was, I seemed to be catching up with a vehicle that was in front of me, uh, but I wasn't speeding, so I didn't know why. And it was not stopped at a, at a light. It was just simply stopped at the bottom of the hill. So I was concerned because there was a, a park on one side of the road and, an, and a grassy area on the other side. So I was concerned that if a child had ran out in the street, you know, after a ball or something, and which direction would they be going? Because I could have gone around that car, but I didn't know you know, what would pop out. So I stopped behind the car. And then all, I, all the traffic that had been behind me was now catching up. And uh, every lane was filled. And they were coming at me like, like horses in a, on a racetrack uh, toward the finish line. And I I looked in my rearview mirror and I saw the the vehicle behind me was a pickup truck and he was looking distractedly to his right, kind of like he was looking to change lanes, but there was a car there. Mm -hmm. So I knew he didn't see that I was stopped. And so at that time I said, oh my God, he's gonna hit me. And I had the, the thought in my mind that, I can't get my seatbelt on. There's no time. Mm. And so then I heard this voice and I was the only one in the car. And it said, lay down across the seat and cover your face. Wow. So I did as I was told. And, and uh, the first impact, which I thought would be horrendous, felt like somebody just simply bumping the side of my bed. And I thought, oh, that's not so bad. That's what went through my mind. And then so I brought my hands down because I had was covering my face. And then I saw the glass shattering above me. The, it was shattering in a, a wave-like motion in slow motion, mm. uh, creating like a, a beautiful piece of art uh, yeah. as it yeah, as it went across. Again, and, you, were, you were witnessing it from a different vibratory perspective. So it looked like slow motion. Yeah, go on. Yeah, it looked like slow motion. Mm. And then um, I covered my face again because I didn't want to get the rain of glass in, in my face. And then I felt a huge arm come under my my arms and another huge arm come, come under my knees. And I was picked up by something I could feel, but I couldn't see. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, I was above the accident scene, looking down from another dimension uh, through some clouds. These clouds are always here. <laughs> Even though it was a cloudless day, I was looking through clouds from another dimension. Right. Okay. So in the first one, I was looking from this dimension into that dimension. And this, in the car accident, I was in the other dimension looking back, but I also had uh, angelic beings or some kind of beings that were holding my elbows while I was up there. Um, 
And then I was, uh, as the, the accident and the crunching uh, ended, I was snapped back into my body. And at the, I was back in the front seat, laying exactly how I was initially. Mm-hmm. So when a person came, uh, the first person by that I heard about was a nurse on her way to work. And she told them the seats are laid down. She's been thrown around the car. Um, a, a gentleman asked me, is that true? And I said, no, no, because I was still in front seat. Uh, it wasn't until after I saw the pictures that I was, that I saw it was the rear window that uh, shattered, not the front window. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that proved to me that I was, I had indeed been tossed around the car and if you think about it, uh, I left that accident scene. I mean, they did take me away, and I, but I didn't break any bones. I, I scuffed up my shins because my shins had went down between the steering wheel and the dashboard. And as it broke off all the column stuff, uh, my shins got um, scraped. Mm. But I, that was... Uh, that was the only thing that that I was aware of at the time. I did have, uh, when I tried to sit up in the seat, I did have uh, a gushing, shooting pain going up to my head, you know, kind of like a thermometer that was going to explode. My head felt like that, probably from being tossed around the vehicle. So I would imagine I did have some kind of traumatic brain injury from that. I did find out I did have traumatic brain injury years later, um, but then I had been in an accident when I was in high school. I had been in an ac- two accidents. Uh, it was like, the, I felt like I had a bullseye in my, on the back of my car, um, but none of them were my fault. It's just, unfortunately, I was, you know, kind of knew what to do. I just simply knew what to do to save myself. Um, I had trauma muscle trauma after this car accident I bet. and that's the- it sounds like you were not in your body at the time your body was getting thrown around the car that's right that's right so you didn't remember or experience being thrown around the car you right know? uh yeah wow and, and to think about it there must have been some kind of beans in there to save me from from all the tragedy look, that my body would have sustained. Look, absolutely. I, I had um, uh, people who watch my show go, oh, God, she's talking about Garnet again, but he's rocked my world. Garnet Schulhauser on my show, who's had many out-of-body experiences, and one of the ones was meeting his guardian angel and or one of his guardian angels because we've got a few. Or according to my friend Kate who paints the angels, four, she says, four guardian angels, not guides but guardian angels specifically there to help us personally in our lives and this one was the one that was specifically so that he didn't kill himself or he didn't die rather he didn't die and he said to her oh you wouldn't have had much to do because I've had a very stable safe life I haven't done anything risque and she just said let me just show you how many times I've saved you and just (laughs) hundreds thousands and thousands of times so uh yeah so it's so interesting if our life plan is to uh, stay here or to bring a message or to do something, if we've got a, you know, if we're following the plan, 
than where, you know, we can be in these precarious situations which are probably mostly planned, they're saying more times than not planned anyway. And, um, yeah, and we're, we're going to have some sort of help. But if you weren't ex- meant to experience it, she would have or they would have, they being the angels, stopped that car behind you or, you know, manoeuvred the traffic, like implanted thoughts into other people's minds to move out of the way. If it wasn't meant to happen, it, it wouldn't have happened. Yeah. So um, I think it was meant to happen. Yeah, and I think that's exactly. why they put it in my mom and dad's heart to invite my kids there uh, so that they would not be around to be in that car. So they saved right. them from being in because my daughter, you know, always hung with me. Uh, right. The boys were, you know, boys are boys. They want to hang around with their friends. So they they may not have been. So I think that that was his way of uh, protect or their way of protecting uh, my children too. And I, I mean, I do have in, in the book, I do have some scripture because of the things that, um, that pertain. I'm trying to cross the bounds from, you know, the people that the, uh, Christianity and spirituality, because they're both looking for the same thing, you know, maybe in different ways. We all want to, you know, find our higher self and uh, eternity. So, uh, but that was uh, in in the Bible. It talks about um, that they will send angels to protect you, and then they want you to honor them. And uh, so that held a, a, a important message for me because after this um, accident, uh, six years after this accident, my world fell apart. And there was no ex- explanation for it. Um, I was uh, um, had fallen in love with my uh, second husband and Gavin, and everything was going wonderfully. And we had bought a, a ranch um, in the country. Uh, we're going to move away from the city to the country life because that's what he wanted to do, and and I was okay with it. Um, but I started, it's, it's, it was a, I fell into a kind of a depression, but the depression was started out with, uh, I was stuttering. I had, I, I could picture what I wanted to say, but I couldn't think of the word. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had a hard time communicating. Uh, my hands were shaking. Um, it was, I was a catastrophe. And I was getting these electrical sharp shops, uh, shocks. Um, it felt like a parakeet-sized mosquito with an energy-zapping sting. And, mm-hmm. and so I would slap myself. You know how when a mosquito bites you, you slap it because you... And uh, so I was getting these uh, electrical shocks all over my body. And so I would slap where they occurred. Well... I mean, I'm sitting there in a product planning meeting and I'm slapping myself, you know, <laughs> people, <laughs> the, the plant manager stops the meeting and he kind of turns to me and says, are you okay? And I said, yeah. <laughs> so, but I've even slapped my own face and it's, it's amazing. And then I fell into a depression where I was just, I felt empty. 
absolutely empty. Do, do you know why that was happening to you? Yes, they okay. showed me that. He Great. put a construction zone sign over that time frame. <laughs> so he was reworking me, little oh, bugger. Absolutely. They've just given yeah. you all this guidance about what was happening to you, but I'll I'll just I'll let you say it because in your own words. Yeah, it was he, construction he, he, zone. Reconstructing me into Recon- what he wanted me to be. Yes. You. Yeah. So uh, I call it the ultimate ambush makeover. <laughs> the ultimate ambush makeover. So, okay, this is what they showed me. They showed me that during your accident, you had some um, brain damage to your left brain. Exactly. Which is the side of you which is our logical thinking. Because you were, you were, you know, a corporate gal, right, like so into the logical, in the logic lane. And they really wanted to awaken in you the intuitive, creative, psychic aspect of you. And so they've kind of damaged your logical, perceptual apparatus and um, so that you would like relax and listen and listen to guidance and stuff like that. And, of course, as humans, we've got free will. We can like fight that. We can fight that and go, no, it's not the way I operate. I operate like this. Yeah, it was I, like I describe it because I thinking hurt, thinking hurt, hurt, analyzing hurt. So right. they made it feel yeah. like it hurt. So I had to live in the now. I had to live uh, my life with my heart versus my brain. So yes, uh, yes, yes. That's what I've learned to do. So. Right. Yes. Mm. So this happened in 92 when you had the damage and um, and then, then you went on to have a long career in the corporate world. So you obviously changed the way you operated in the corporate world and operated from a more heart-centred perspective than uh, yeah, logical Yeah, yeah. Um, but then my marriage fell apart, mm. the second marriage, because I, uh, well, actually that was after the third one. This one was at the beginning of it. Oh, that's right. I'm missing something here. Because um, Gab and I fell in love with, we hadn't gotten married yet. That will, That's coming up. Um, but he, he is, uh, his relatives are evangelical. Right. And uh, although I'm not evangelical, um, some of my story is, it, it relates to that. Because we went to, uh, uh, a after we were married because we were out at the ranch and after this happened his cousin called one night and said that he was coming to denver and if he sent us tickets um would we come and then we could visit well he was the music director of benny hinn's miracle crusade wow. have you ever heard of benny hinn oh yeah absolutely okay. I hadn't. Wow. I had no idea who he was. And um, I was interested in meeting uh, Gavin's cousin. And I said, sure, let's go. And he said that he was a real good speaker. Uh, Benny Hinn was a real good speaker. Yeah. And then I read a little bit about him just before I went. And, and he had he had a, a spiritual awakening of his own. Uh-huh. And then he became the healer. Um, 
and he had a stuttering problem, which was automatically healed after he got behind the pulpit. And I saw, I was thinking, cause I was stuttering, still stuttering. And I said, uh, uh, why not me? You know, why not me? So I asked Gavin uh, to ask his cousin if he would put a good word in and see if Benny could, you know, heal me. Mm-hmm. Um, and he said he had no idea if he'd even see Benny, uh, but he would he would see what he could do. Um, but the healing doesn't come until the second half of the two-hour session. First of all, he talks, and we sing beautiful music. And the music that we sang to is important because it was, uh, Jesus, you're the savior of my soul. Um, he touched me and changed my life. You know, it's, it's he touched me and um, breathe upon me, breath of God. It, the songs were important because the universe uh, created my third near-death experience based on my prayer because I was praying when you're when you're praying for healing, you're praying to the words of the song, and so you might think you're praying for physical healing, but it's you're praying to Jesus, you're the Savior of my soul. So it was actually um, spiritual healing that I was actually praying for, and I didn't realize it, although uh, the creator knew what I was actually praying for. And so uh, Benny was not on the stage at the time. And I felt a, a tingling on my head. And it was kind of like, uh, uh, I can relate it to like Cinderella when her fairy godmother touches the, her head and you see the sprinkling, you know, the little twilight going around you. Mm-hmm. Um, it felt like that. And I got dizzy and I told Gavin something happened. Um, and I wanted to get in line to go up to the stage for the rest of the healing that I wanted, um, but we never made it. But it didn't matter. It, it, it didn't matter to me because I knew something happened. And then I could start doing a little bit more after that. Um, so, then that was in 1998 that, that I went to that crusade, two, uh, two years before my near death, third near death experience. And so, um, near death experiencers oftentimes are more sensitive to things, they get allergies. And I was out at the ranch, and one fall, I, I was congested. And it was nothing that I had ever had before. Uh, So I uh, was taking allergy pills at night to clear up my congestion so I could sleep. And and, uh, I didn't, at the time, put it together that my congestion was happening in the house versus out of the house. Mm -hmm. But I thought that it was because I was, we had a ranch and I was, mowing and and there's hay and I I thought uh, it was actually from that and it was finally taking its toll Um, but one night I went to bed and I had I stacked three pillows up on the bed so I would be at a 45 degree angle and um, I always sleep on my back with my hands over my tummy and Gavin was in bed sleeping with me and 
sometime during the night, my chest hurt really bad and I couldn't get up. So I, I called Gavin. I reached first of all, I reached for him and I couldn't feel him. So I called for him and I said, Gavin, please help me, Gavin, help me. And he didn't respond. All of a sudden I was up above my body looking down um, on the scene and, and my hands were still over my tummy. So it was my spiritual hand that had reached for him and it was my spiritual voice that had called for him. And that's why he didn't hear it. And that's why he didn't respond. Mm -hmm. But I felt magnificent. I felt like I had just take a, taken the, a huge breath of fresh air mm -hmm. and I was finally free, mm -hmm. free and, and everything was perfect and as it should be. I was energy and I could feel my energetic arms floating out to my side and they were elongated uh, because they were floating free. And then I saw in front of me, um, a silver cord that floated by that from left to right in the, it was like it was weightless, like an astronaut had, had uh, just released a hose that was going by. I didn't see where it was attached. I didn't see that it was actually attached below. I couldn't see that. Um, but I felt free. I, I noticed a pin of light. I was in total blackness, but at the time it made sense because it was the middle of the night, but there wasn't any stars. And there was a pin of light coming from the right, but I, it was way off and I wasn't too worried about it. I wasn't worried at all, uh, but I was more interested in my body below and I wanted to zoom in and see what it looked like. And so I zoomed in from different directions. And, uh, you know, I looked at the side of my nose and the side of my nose, I could, I had gotten so small, just like that dress. Mm -hmm. I had gotten so small to fly in and out of the eyelets. I was thinking the pores on the side of my nose were so huge. And I thought, oh man, I'm going to have to put makeup on the side of my nose, but much more than the rest of me. And I, I just I was, so I must have knew I was going to go back to my body or something, or at least I was vain. Um, and then I went back up, up to where I was above. Then I noticed that there was something else unusual happening. And I could see below uh, in my physical body that there was something lifting out of my feet and then my ankles and shins and then my thighs. And it was an, a blue, misty, shimmering energy, the color of the sky. And it was beautiful. Um, I at one point zoomed into my waist and was watching it bubble up out of my physical body. And then I went back up to the ceiling again. Um, then it all started drawing up to me. Uh, because that was my spiritual energy leaving the lower half of my body. And I was the spiritual energy from the upper half of my body that had elongated to escape that, uh, that physical form. As it came together, 
I started to change shape. And I could feel my arms uh, pulling in and my legs pulling into all this energy was now morphing. And I was morphing into what I call an orb mm. because uh, when I did transform into this orb shape, I was now sitting in a wand of love. And this is indicative of the song that I had sang, Breathe Upon Me, Breath of God. He had created me to feel like that because he uh, was he wanted to show me that how he breathes the breath of life metaphorically into each one of us. So it was uh, I, I knew after after that experience that this was his message that you know he has created all of us and he did touch me he did change my life and and they are all i need you know the the universal consciousness jesus and the holy spirit and this is important because i knew when i saw my spirit leaving my body that that was my portion of god's spirit of the universal spirit and that's why he says that he will send us an advocate to guide us. So that spiritual guide is in us every moment of our life. And if we learn to listen to it and our guidance from above, they all sound the same, that uh, uh, we can go to the right path, that it will be better for us because we all make decisions. Just like a roadmap trip, if we go down this way, we'll experience something uh, different than, than the other direction. But there are things that are set to happen, and they may manifest in a harder way in one direction than another. So if we listen, hopefully we will go along the way that we, it, we will have the best experience versus the hardest experience. Mm -hmm. So I think it's fascinating absolutely fascinating and when i when this pin of light then all of a sudden flew in to the room and grew up into a, a spiritual being that we, that was full of energy it had a light rays coming out of its heart center and it was so bright uh, it was hard to see its face but i could see its hair and it had brown hair and it was kind of going across its chin, there was a breeze. Um, and he held his hand out to me and he knew me. He knew everything about me, he loved me. And I was just in awe. And he said, he held his right hand out and he said, it's time to come home, Jan. Mm. I, uh, I, my first thought was of my daughter uh, because we're very close. Um, and he said, she'll be okay. I didn't have to ask because he knew what my thoughts were. Mm -hmm. Just like in the car accident, he knew what my thought was. That was my call for help. Mm -hmm. And uh, now my daughter would disagree with that. <laughs> she, <laughs> and she might have expletives, you know, <laughs> about that. <laughs> but anyway, so I was going to go. Um, in the meantime, the there was another pin of light that had come was approaching from the left. And this pin of light all came in and they both came in a slight S-shaped curve. And this one grew up, it grew up into a 
spiritual energetic orb and it was alive and it was beautiful and it was pure love at its purest form and it could it had a cloud effect around it which i kind of wonder if this is the cloud effect he will come in the clouds um if that's if he was creating all this um because i grew up in a Christian home. Actually, my mom and dad were Lutheran. I didn't really follow any particular religion um, at that time. A lot of people grew away from the church because it was always, you know, the rod and the staff, and um, you had to pay to get your sins, you know, forgiven. And so a lot of people in my generation kind of moved away from the church because that just didn't sound right. Um, after the car accident then, though I felt like I kind of wanted to go back to the church just to hear the messages. Mm -hmm. And the messages were not sermons now. They had, they were more uplifting uh, talks and I, positivity, they were sharing positivity. And I, I enjoyed those talks then. Um, so Janet, but during- when we moved, during this experience, you're still perceiving yourself in your room, in your like when you said the light mm-hmm. came in and then uh, became a man, and then the other light came in and sort of grew into this massive orb. You're still thinking, "I'm in my bedroom." Uh, this is I feel like I was, yeah, I was in, in my, my bedroom, bedroom above my. Body. Did you say who are you? Like, did they give you any explanation to? No, who, but I knew it was God. I knew it was the universal consciousness. It was him in his energetic form. And he can transform into any form that he wants. He is everything. He's the energetic tunnel. He's the energetic orb. He, I, there was one point in my experience that he actually took the shape of a man. But I couldn't see his face. I could only see um, from his waist down. But he can do anything that he wants. Um, and I say he, but... It's energy. So, you know, energy just transforms from shape to shape when it, when it desires. Yeah, it's so um, fascinating that you saw yourself as an orb too. They yeah. were giving you some mighty educational, what did you say, your makeover? What did you call your makeover? Oh, the um, ultimate ambush makeover. <laughs> oh, you know, you always want to get these ambush makeovers to get the new hairstyle and the pretty clothing and, you know, you're very stylish. Well, I didn't get that, but I did get, the, got the I, I got the one. ultimate one. I got the ultimate one. So yeah. as you're speaking, I'm chatting to my guides and they are just being so funny. I'm sorry. You'll probably see me giggling at some of the things you say because they just are like being so funny, especially the bit where you said his hair was blowing in the wind. <laughs> And he said to me, did you like that effect? The, you know, the wind blown effect. And I'm just like, I just wanted to crack up. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, what, what I didn't know is, see, that his hair was going toward the tunnel. And that energetic form of God, who was also a tunnel, was pulling us in. Uh-huh. So I'm not, I don't, the the orb shape, I believe, is, our, is their way of, of travel um when they're in the orb shape because the orbs in the first one uh when that event was over they turned into orbs the sumo wrestler and the um 
beautiful lady transformed into orbs and they flew out and around the side of the house and bobbed up and down in the side of the window watching me until they left. Um, and then these came in as orbs. I was an orb. Yeah. Um, so I believe that is the way some of them travel. I mean, they, well, they can just do it by thought too, but well, it's, for some it's, reason. It's so interesting. Your experience shows you, unlike many NDEs who experience a physical type world, an astral world, when they ha they go to their heavenly realms, they're still very much entrenched in form, a, a world of form. And they were showing you consciousness in the form of energy instead of in the form of form. <laughs> and what you were seeing as you were experiencing the blue light leave your body is I was, I was asking them, what part, what, what was that? And they said that was your etheric form. Your So the etheric energy is the energy. It's, a, it's like connected to the chi of your body. It's the energy that gives rise to life in the physical form as, as differentiated from your astral body, which is um, a body of energy that, that gives you the perception of your physical form. The etheric is different. And the etheric is, um, you know, leaves the body completely only at death. So you seeing that cord was, again, guidance showing you, we're going to show you, they were kind of showing you all this stuff, Janet. It was it just, they were like educating you. It's so cool. That's part like why I love your story. Um, you know, they're showing you different aspects of who you are as a consciousness and energetic being. When I asked who the orb was, um, I, I first got angelic energy and then they said, actually, it's a part of your oversoul. You want to call it God, but your higher self, it's like that angelic part of you. So they were just saying that they were just showing you you really in, in another energetic form. Um, but yeah, and that, that, that cord was just kind of uh, reassuring you that even though they're showing you the life force of your energy leaving your body in the form of the, your etheric energy leaving your body, you weren't going to die. Like you're still connected. You're still connected. Yeah. So, um, and then when you said, so did you perceive him as Jesus, the one with the flowing brown hair? Yes, it was. I find out later that he is Jesus because this is kind of in the middle of everything um, because he showed me the future too. Yeah. Uh, We're going to get that comes up. Um, yeah. When you said, I've, I'm here to take you home. Uh, when I was chatting to him, as you were telling me that part of the story, he said, um, not home as in like, you're going to die type, you know, but home as in who you are so that you can remember who you are while you're still living in your physical life, like home as in who you are, where you come from, who you are. So uh, I've heard so many NDE experiences say, you know, I went home, I'm going home as if it's a, fi a final decision. Like if I, I'm here and then I go home and I'm not coming back, but um, I'm here to take you home was just like you've been in this forgetfulness of forgetting who you are and I'm here to remind you who you are. But anyway, okay, let's get on with the story. So fascinating. Let's see. Um, so you, you, then yep. They, yep. they wanted to convince me to stay. So I was ready to go. Yeah. You know, you don't really, you'd never want to go back to your body after you feel 
you know, the splendor and the bliss of what you actually are. Um, Especially when your body's feeling sick. Did you ever leave the room? Did you go like Uh, some to another realm? Well, not at this, not in this particular one. Mm -hmm. I did um, um, because they wanted to show me. The one that convinced me to stay. Uh, then I transferred from the transformed from the orb shape back into a, a energetic body of a human. Mm-hmm. Uh, I felt like the human body again. Mm-hmm. And angels took my elbows and took me clear up into the air uh, outside the ranch. And I could see inside the ranch, the outside of the ranch, and, and all the land around us and houses. Um, and since we lived out in the country, uh, we lived on a gravel road and there was a quarter mile lane up to our house and we had trees planted out there that created a windbreak. Well, I saw pins of light coming down the road and they were tiny, you know, like a little play play thing, but it was, you know, dark. So I couldn't, I only saw the lights, but even though I could only see the lights in the distance and I was way up in the air, I felt like I was riding in that vehicle. I felt like my ear was right next to the tire and I could hear the crunching of the tires going over the gravel road. I could feel every bump in the road and I could hear the jostling of the equipment that was in the vehicle. It turned up our lane and there was a rut in the road because there was a low part that sometimes the rain would, would create a rut that we had to continuously fill. And it hit that particular rut and I heard the rustling again. So I was everywhere. I was, I was aware of everything. So I was a part of the universe. And they, this vehicle ended up being an ambulance and it was going up to the house and they went in the house and, and uh, of course they couldn't revive me. I was being shown my death mm. and I was okay with that. Mm-hmm. I still mm-hmm. wanted to go. So all of a sudden, then again, I was, the, I was the uh, back before the light and I, it reached out and it embraced me and I could feel the colors in it, the rainbow colors. I could feel it even though it only appeared to be white. And that's when it showed me the moments of my life. Uh, Some of the moments that had already happened and some of the moments hadn't happened. And that's when I was told to understand these moments, they matter. Mm -hmm. And so, Then I was back again in front of the light. He had let me go and he showed me one more thing. And that one more thing that he showed me was the image of my middle son, Kurt. And when I saw his image, I knew I couldn't go because something was gonna occur in his life and he would need me. And if I wasn't there, he would go down a a darker pathway. And how would I know that? I would, how would I know that unless it was planned and I had made some kind of agreement with him to be there? So I 
looked up at Jesus and I said, I'm not ready to go yet. And he, I could tell he was smiling and nodding his head. And then I turned back into the blue energetic form mm-hmm. and I sat down in Jan's body in my butt in her butt. And then I slipped a leg into each one of her legs and I took my spirit knees and rocked back and forth until I could get the momentum to lay back in her body and help her sit up and gasp for air, which Mm -hmm. I did. Mm -hmm. Um, Then Jan had to live her life wondering when the other shoe was going to drop for her uh, her son, Kurt. Um, And she still didn't know what these things were called. And she was thinking, why do these things keep happening to me? (laughs) (laughs) I know. Oh my goodness. I know. <laughs> so I told my daughter about it, but I wouldn't tell anybody else. I mean, I had had the ambush makeover. I mean, everything was complicated enough, you know, without talking about this kind of stuff. So I still remained silent. But uh, heaven persisted. Uh, the, the spiritual beings persisted. And and another one of the images they showed me was a white building in uh, Namaste. I didn't know what that was. Uh, and later on, um, I find a coupon on this. You've ever done the coupon sites, you know, uh, um, and there was a coupon. This was all the rage at that time. I think the name of it was Groupon. And oh. so uh, there was a coupon that happened to come up and it was for a soul painting. A soul so painting. Soul painting. soul painting. I didn't know what that was, but I thought, okay, if she's authentic, she'll paint something blue. And mm-hmm. I thought that'd be a fun day because it was half price. And uh, um, so I asked my daughter if she wanted to go. And she said, yeah. So we made, uh, I called and, and got her answering machine and she called me back. And when she called back, I was obviously in this dream state because I was in this whiteness and I could tell there was people around me. And all of a sudden I heard this word namaste. And then the phone rang. So I woke up and I, it was her to make the appointment and I didn't know what namaste meant. So I, uh, I made the appointment and I told Gina about it. I said, I wonder if she prays and somehow I picked up on it or something. And, uh, we tried looking it up, but we were misspelling it, never could find it. (laughs) But when we went to the appointment, I I recognized the building and then we went in and we were walking down to her office and here on the outside of her office door is namaste. I said, Gina, there it is. Mm -hmm. So I asked her, you know, what it was. And that's when she told me, you know, my spirit honors your spirit. And I, I had no clue. Uh, So as she painted, it was just a simple five by seven painting and every color was meaningful uh, uh, to the nature of our spirit. She does a prayer and she connects with our permission to the heavenly records and the gatekeeper of the records shows her what is important for me to know and is meaningful for the sitter. And she told me about the colors 
told me that I was very highly intuitive, which I had no clue about at that time. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I'm, la- I'm laughing because your guides or, or what you call God have been knocking themselves out to show you <laughs> so <Yeah>. many ways. <laughs> yeah. So many and, ways. Right. And, yep. uh, 45 minutes into this session, I start recognizing what it was that she was painting because it was just a line here and another line here. And then I'll eventually it created a, a picture. And I looked at Gina and I says, you know what it, it is? And she, she recognized it too. Well, it was my near death experience. It was Jesus in the light of the tunnel. And I think, Oh my gosh, what am I supposed to do? <laughs> They're obviously telling me something. So, I mean, I was, I, I just wasn't sure what to do. And I did end up going to bed and I prayed. I said, just tell me what to do. <laughs> and I, I, had, I had evaluated my strengths and my weaknesses. And at that time, I was a very quiet person. And so I thought I'm not going to, I wouldn't be a good speaker. I, suppose if I worked hard enough, I could write a book, but I, that was too much work. Um, so I said a prayer and I said, okay, uh, just tell me what to do. And if I don't hear from you, <laughs> it'll be my answer. And then I, I knew I wouldn't have to do anything. So I, I went to bed expecting not to hear anything and not having to do anything. Um, but when I woke up, I heard his voice say, make it about me. And he showed me pictures of my book and he showed me pictures of speaking. And, and uh, um, so then I had to, had to do it. I, you know, kicked around, you know, the, why did you ask? You know, <laughs> um, it's, you know, now you have to do it, doggone it. So... <laughs> So then I, I laid out everything, all the images that he showed me, and I realized that I was creating my own book of life. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, it was my own book of life. These were the moments that uh, were important in my life. And eventually all the moments did happen. And I think it's absolutely fascinating that they don't give up on us. And if yeah. we learn to listen, and it's actually ridiculously easy to listen, you just don't realize that people listen all the time, but they think it's their selves. Oh, absolutely, Janet. Absolutely. Look, so many people when they interview me say, now, when did you recognize your guides? And I said, you know what? It took me probably 30 years, maybe 35 years. They were always speaking to me. I clearly heard them, but I never, ever had a reference that there was some higher uh, intelligence talking to me. Uh, you know, I didn't grow up in a religious thing, so I didn't call it God. I just called it my common sense, which yeah. I didn't listen to much of the time as a young rebellious yeah. rebellious girl, you know. I listened to it a lot, but a lot of the time I didn't. So it wasn't until I started doing courses and reading books that I re- that I recognised this it's, guidance. It it's it like a recognition that. rather yeah. than a um, people say, can can you, you know, I'm always activating people to meet their spirit guides or their higher self or uh, I don't call it God. But, um, and it's a recognition that it's always been there, 
always been there. Always. Yeah. You know, and they they lead people to you. They lead people to me. It's yeah. It's, you know, or for particular reasons, whatever those higher reasons are. I mean, there is so much that happened because um, there was also a panel of beings that I ended up going in front of. Okay. And that was fascinating too. And then I, I uh, uh, was out in space, out in the universe with, uh, with God. And he... Uh, I was, I knew we were with other people, but all of a sudden the other people left and I was there with God looking down on the earth. And it was so beautiful from out there. It was just amazing. And I asked him, what is it, what is it about? What yeah. is it all about? What's it all about, Alfie? Yeah. <laughs> and so he, he, he had, he was much, much bigger and much, much more masculine than Jesus was. He was a, he was a monster of man. Um, I can I guess you know uh, his legs kind of reminded me of who's that green man? Um, oh, oh Shrek? No, not Shrek. Oh, he the, was Hulk? The, the Hulk. The yeah. Hulk. Yeah. <laughs> um, he, he was he was so big. When you say he so so this energy was he, appearing to you as a as a male form. Yeah. Like a monstrous male, like giant male form. Well, and he wasn't as big as the Hulk, but I mean, that's, he was, he was very Hulkish, I guess you could say he was massive. Um, but then he lifted his hand and in answer my question and he, he lifted his right hand and he said, behold, and then all of a sudden there was lights going in every direction and you could hear him whizzing by like, like a sword, you know, in the, uh, in those uh, movies and uh -huh. he was showing me all the different dimensions that he that there are and each dimension is for a reason of its own and there's much more than than we realize and mm -hmm. and I also knew that there was I mean we are naive to think that we are the only creation that he made um, that you know, we refer to them as aliens or you know other beings, but there are there's a lot more out there than than people realize. Oh, and they, they were also created by him. So you were yeah. shown different forms of um, life, extraterrestrial. Oh, I just knew they were. I just knew they were there. I knew. Oh, but that you didn't that, sort of see them. You didn't perceive no, I didn't them. See them. I just you were just them. given that knowledge. Yeah. Uh, because I had a download of knowledge when I was in his arms, right, he gave yeah. me a download of knowledge. It was, uh, you know, and it takes years to go through this knowledge and try to figure out what sorted out makes sense to to us. Because everything made sense at that time, but then when you're back in your body, it's you only have part of it. But I do have uh, I do have the ability to see the bigger picture that everything yeah. happens for a reason, reason. It, even though we may not like it. It's a, um, it's a lesson for us and we work together. What they just said to me when you said I had a download of knowledge is they said more like an upload of knowledge. They said to me, okay. uh, they said you were uploaded into the remembrance of your broader perspective, the words they're using. So your remembrance of the expansiveness of your consciousness so it's interesting upload download um 
Yeah, so you were uploaded from the linear perspective, the human perspective, which is very limited, uploaded into this broader perspective. Um, and they're saying, of course, there's no such thing as up and down and distance, but we, we use this vernacular to help your linear human minds. We have to use some sort of um, yeah, words yeah, so to, you to can make, understand To it. make everybody understand. Yeah, like yeah, but it was interesting. The distinction when you said I had a download and they said more like an upload um, because I guess that a download is when you're in your physical body and information's downloading, whereas you had left your physical body and you were, again, they're showing me the frequency. So you were elevating your vibrationary rate is how they're showing it to a broader, to a broader yeah. I, I felt connected to the yeah, universe. I connected felt the to connection to the universe. Everything. I felt that like I had a universal consciousness connection. Yeah. That I refer to it as. God, yeah. Janet, it's so cool. It's such an extensive experience. Yeah. So extensive. And uh, I suspect that um, how did they prepare you? Have you done any talks and stuff at, at conferences and Yes, I have. I've I've been part of the IANS conference for two years. Um, I didn't make it this year, uh, but that was online. And uh, um, you yeah, know, the thing I'm, about it is, uh, in your corporate in your corporate work, did you stand in front of people and speak to them? You know, I did. Yeah. Uh, I think maybe that might have been part for of the training for yep. this because Absolutely. we had to um, give talk. I had to give a talk on how uh, how I had increased the income of the company and yeah. uh, how I'd saved them money by the the routing and everything that I did. I mean, I shook like a leaf back in then, and I, you know, I was kind of yep. interested, but not because I was so frightened. Yeah. And uh, yes, but that was preparing me. Uh, I've looked back and there are reasons for everything. Absolutely. It's, it's fascinating. I really, it, this is the biggest adventure you know, if, if rather well, than thinking yeah. about we're just surviving, think about thriving and think about how fun this is. What are they? What's God going to show you? Or the universe going to show you today? Because yeah. it's like we're we're on an adventure collecting the golden nuggets of knowledge. Um, and you know, maybe this day is not going to be as active as another, but it is leading to you to some place. And I think it's I think it's wonderful. Um, they did the panel of beans did show me uh, I that my current love of my life um, was brought into my life for a particular lesson. So we work together. We work together. And um, he took me to places because he lives in Austria, took me to places uh, over there that I realized how I had misjudged people oh. and uh, throughout my lifetime. Wow. And, uh, you know, after these near-death experiences, they don't leave you alone. Uh, you know, when they <laughs> want to talk to you, they take you right back up there. <laughs> so, so I had... That uh, was in front, of, and this was one of the things that I was shown, this panel of beans. I didn't know what it was, but then I was taken up there for uh, a lesson review. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was before these these beans, and they said, uh, have you learned anything on thou shalt not judge? And I said, I knew I had, because I had realized I'd misjudged some people in my life. Absolutely. And I said, yes, I have. 
So they knew I had, but they wanted me to explain it. And as I explained it to them, my memory showed above the, the heavens as they were actually happening in, in my memories. And uh, how I had formed a judgment. Uh -huh. uh, and I had formed a judgment uh, because of the way my parents dressed versus uh, actually it was swimming suits. My dad wore a swimming suit down to his knees. And the neighbor's dad wore a skimpy bathing suit. Speedos. A Speedo type <laughs> bathing suit. I shouldn't use that. That's a brand name, but that, yeah, we call it. Yeah, it's a brand name, but that's the same type. What do we call them? Bikini, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, she, and I thought it was, I didn't like it. And I carried that judgment throughout my life. Yeah. And this is how funny they work it because they brought Bob in from Austria. I call him Bob. And uh, he came to visit me and he was looking at all this, the lakes uh, in the area of Colorado. And he uh, was interested in swimming. And I said, well, they're going to be pretty cold because over there they're nice and warm. And um he wears a speedo type swimming suit. And I thought, oh my gosh. <laughs> of all the people to introduce me to. So so they were they were kind of putting my judgment right there in my face. And I had to learn to live with it. And I realized, you know, he he had trained for Olympic uh, diving and he didn't understand the reason for swimming suits down to the knees because they they were they created drag in the water when you wanted speed and and stuff so that concept made sense and uh, when I was a child we didn't we had TV just came out and there was like three channels no sports on TV at the time so I had no clue about Olympic swimming or anything like that so uh, but I had formed a judgment based on clothing and and. I have other judgments that I talk about in the book too, the how I misjudged people and realized that I hadn't. But the thing uh, they were showing me is where that judgment came from. Yeah, I had misperceived, uh, you know, like my mom had said, you know, if I was had a dress on, put your dress down or go get pants on. So I had perceived that modesty was the way things should be. And that's why I didn't like his swimming suit. So um, I had kind of carried it farther in my mind than, than I actually should have. And I realized that America is a land of immigrants. I mean, people came from everywhere. It uh, was the Indians that lived there originally. So who was I to make these kind of judgments? So I, I, I don't judge people anymore. Um, I'm very careful about I realize that everybody has their own story. You know, <laughs> well, you I don't know. I don't know what made them what they are today. Well, you do your best. Uh, look, I um, so they showed you all this while you were out of body, I suppose, rather yeah, than was... in body. Because so interesting, I was shown all this in body in so many ways. Because I just have direct access to them. They've been yakking to me all my life. You call it God, I call it them. I call it yeah. my mob, blissful beings. 
um, they just yakked to me the whole time and they say to me, I remember I was judging someone mercilessly. Um, I was, you know, I grew up in a, a wealthy sort of educated, privately school educated background and then someone comes along who looks like a sort of smelly hippie with a tie-dye T-shirt on and missing teeth and, and I'm judging him mercilessly in my head and they're just saying, drop your judgment, Karen, drop your judgment. And I'm going, but, 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 but. They're going, drop your judgment. Like they're just speaking it to me. I'm going, but, but, but. And uh, he, he ended up being the most incredible person, activist to, to save the oceans, in brilliant, went into parliament and lobbied for environmental court. You know, he was brilliant. And yet I judged him based on his appearance. And, yeah, so, so interesting. Yeah. Yep. So we're always being taught. So do you hear your guides? uh now like do they speak to you while you're in your body do yeah you i listen I, I listen to them all the time um and you know i'm and, and now i'm an empath too so yeah. i yeah. feel a lot and and uh that helps guide me too they use that as well mm-hmm. uh yeah i hear them when when it needs and i always listen to my inner guidance and that has helped me help direct me to to get to the places that i need to be it's amazing, you know, uh, Bob is, uh, um, is a high-level investigator over, over there, and they use their intuition all the time. He didn't believe me for a while, but then uh, now he thinks it's absolutely fascinating, and he will keep an ear out for people that might have had experiences over there. His mother has a, a, somebody lined up for me to talk to who's had a near-death experience. So I'll get a, a perspective of somebody in Austria too uh, for my stories. It's, and it's amazing all the things that, that are out there. Are lining up. Are you, uh, is there an IONS in Austria association? Uh, no, there, I think there was one in Hungary. Now there are. Maybe uh, you could start one, Janet. Well, you know, I thought about that, but I'm never in one place at one time. And to start those things, you have to have it every month. And I'm not there. Well, I, I understand months. that, but maybe inspire someone to start that. Maybe just. Yeah, maybe. I've been working on that. Yeah. Um, there are some of them over there that I'm trying to work on, but they're not too perceptive of it. So. Um. Of, yeah. of committing to that let's put it that committing oh, to right. that committing to that oh, there's plenty of people wanting this conversation and you got work to do girl but, you know they they were persistent for a good reason <laughs> uh you thought you were busy during your corporate life you know you're just warming up <laughs> yeah just... I think so I think so so and did you want to hear about mom and dad you wanted me to remind you about I that I did what is it I wanted to talk about uh, some other things too but um, yeah let's okay. hear about mom and dad what happened with mom and dad well um, it, it was interesting that that as they approached they were seeing relatives mm-hmm. and dad was in his room and uh, he would, by that time, he was bed, bedridden from his knees. He, you know, didn't have the strength anymore. And so I would sit with him and watch television. And he'd look toward the corner and he would say, um, it's, it's interesting to know that my mom is so well-traveled. And I said, you see grandma? And he says, yeah. I said, where's she at? And he says, she's over there at the airport, was in the corner of the room. So he could see into another dimension. And he had been wanting to go home. 
and although he was home. And so I told him, I said, I think it's not this home that you're wanting to go to because you are here, but you're wanting to go to the, you know, to the, your heavenly home. Mm -hmm. And he understood that because he's Lutheran and that was where he, he wanted to go. So I said, maybe grandma is here to take you because they, they oftentimes do that, but she didn't take him, but it was interesting that, uh, and he kept wanting me to go. And I was thinking, I don't want to go. I don't want to go to heaven. I want. I have a lot here I want to do, but um, so I kept putting it off, and he kept getting so disappointed. I said, "Well, I've got cataract surgery tomorrow. Can we postpone that a while?" So I kept putting it off, but um, and mom kept seeing little kids surround her. Wow! And she uh, and when I came home after she had an experience. Uh, and I was flying on the airplane and I sat next to another lady and uh, we were talking and, and her stepdad uh, also saw a lot of kids and they wanted to take mom on a, a trip to see the parade downtown. And it was around Christmas time and she did go out of body downtown and she knew the kids were dead. They were standing in the street, but even the little kids that were like two years old were jumping up and down because they were so excited about this parade. And I said, I bet that wasn't Santa Claus in that parade. So eventually it, the care got to be too much. So we did put them in an assist, uh, it was assisted living home, but it, they were high level assistants. And we always tried to have somebody there with them at a time. Um, but my, my my time to go to Austria happened. And so I had left and they seemed to be doing fine. And uh, after I was there for a while, I got a call uh, from my sister-in-law and, and the nurse had told the, them that my dad's death was imminent. Uh -huh. Well, my dad was healthy. I mean, he had a healthy heart. He, he was, uh, 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 he had went through cancer surgery and that went well just for growth on his mouth. He was doing fine. So this was unexpected, although six months before this, he told us he was going to die before mom. He said he heard some doctors talking and that he was going to die before mom, two male doctors, but we didn't have two male doctors. Oh. So I think he had, he had heard, you know, the, the guidance from above talking about it. And he says, I didn't mean to eavesdrop. I really didn't, but I heard what they said. So I kept that in my mind. And uh, when I got that call, I, I knew international travel is not fast. It's not imminent. So, and I also know that we are energy and we can talk to each other. So I went to bed that night and while I laid in bed, I put myself out into the ethers and I said, dad, are you there? And he said, yes. I said, am I gonna make it in time? And he said, it'll be close, but I'll try. Uh -huh. So I knew I would make it. So I made my uh, reservation and it was it all worked out on a day that ordinarily there isn't one. And it was for a reasonable price. And then I got into Denver a little bit early so I could catch an earlier flight to Boise. Everything worked perfectly. Nice. And I was able to get there. Uh, my sister-in-law picked me up at the airport and 
we were headed the half hour drive down to where they were. And then my sister was texting, you better hurry, he's failing. I looked at Judy and I said, well, he said it would be close. <laughs> so we hurried down there, but he did manage to, to live for another seven hours. Wow. And this is so exciting, Karen. And I'm, I'm working on this right now. Um, I was next to my dad uh, when he passed away. Uh, and uh, earlier that evening, mom was holding his hand and then she starts fainting and she says, I'm dying too, I'm dying. And I think what was happening was he was withdrawing his his energy from her because he knew he was going to pass. A shared death so, experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so my, my uh, uh, sister's, sat with my mom and I sat with my dad. They were in two different rooms, uh, but they always wanted to see each other. So mom was in her room and she could look sideways to see dad in his room. Um, but he was kind of unresponsive. So I, I took a nap because he seemed to be resting well. And I, I woke up for some unknown reason. I think his spirit was waking me up. And then I knew for some reason I should start taking movies. So, cause his breathing had changed and I thought, okay, I could take these movies. And if I have a question, I can take it and show the nurse and she can tell me what's going on. Oh, to video him, to film him. Yeah, to video. So notes. I did three different videos. Mm -hmm. And then on the fourth one, uh, I, ha I happened to catch his last breath. Wow. And I was watching his mouth because I was waiting for him to breathe again. And I continued to film. And then eventually, you know, I say, I think he died. I think he's just died. And uh, then I end the film. But later when I view that film, we see the blue energy whip out of his body. So I caught his spirit leaving his body. And I'm working on uh, uh, a video right now to put on YouTube of that. I have Bob blurring out his face and uh, um, so that it maybe it can get on YouTube without being restricted. Um, and then I slow the video down because his energy whips out and goes to the right. You know, I'm sitting next to his bed and it filming him and it goes to the right when mom is to the left. So that didn't make sense to me. But when I slow the video down, that same segment of the video, to 25.25, 25% of the speed, then it's going to the left. So it's if you can liken it to a spinning tire that goes so fast, it seems to go direct the different direction. Okay. Well, this whipped out of his body so fast, it seemed to be going to the right. Mm -hmm. But in reality, it was going to the left. So it was going toward my mom who is laying in that bed. So I know he was going over to see her the very first thing when he left that his physical body. So it's and you could see when I slowed it down, the energy was in the air and it was leaving. You could see it on his clothing and uh, on the bedding as it whipped out. So wow. it's not like it's reflected off of a wall because uh, mm. there was no television in his room at the time. So um, when you I say blue, what color blue is it? Is it like a electric blue? No. Like a... Well, his was moving very fast and it was kind of spread out. But when so you his saw was it, a, your energy. His was a, mine was the color of the sky. 
on a beautiful day. Okay, that color, right. Yeah. Uh-huh. And his was a very light blue because, you know, the energy had dissipated, you know, was kind of whipping out. So uh, his was a lighter blue. Now, I also know that I was different colors during this. That that was just simply when I left my body. But then when I was an orb, I was white because I was glowing. Yeah, you're white as all color, isn't it? Um, yeah. You know, and years I ago- can't forget to tell you, when I sat down in my body, heaven kept saying this message. It kept saying, love is the only thing that matters and it echoed love is the only thing that matters love is the only thing that matters and so that echoes in me every day thousands of time and that's the message for everybody love is the only thing that matters absolutely 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 yeah when I was massaging years ago uh, a girlfriend actually I had this experience of seeing this electric blue energy I suppose you could call it this colour of the sky. It was a little bit more like the blue of my glasses rim, a little bit more turquoise, but electric blue, like it was light, like like made of light, uh, running through her body in rivers, like like the like the blood system, like like ru- running blue energy through her body. I saw it with my physical eyes, and I'm like, what am I looking at? And it was a part of this energetic system, the etheric body, I suppose, this living light energy that operates the body, that that enlivens the body, that makes us that makes us alive. It's it's so much more complicated than I have time to talk about, but because yeah. it's connected to it. I mean, we're all light, even the density of the body is light, but we perceive it as physical. But yeah, it was um, just that blue color has stayed with me. That was God, that was like 25 years ago. And, and when you talked about the blue color of your energy body leaving uh, or your spirit, you call it your spirit. Yeah, yeah. that's fascinating. It's, you know, that's why when the body dies, the spirit's gone. Or is the spirit gone and the body dies? I'm not really sure which way it is. Uh, um, well, so. it's a bit more complicated. It, it, there's, there's so many different aspects to the spirit and, and and energy healers that can see the aura. I had a woman on the show years ago called Desda Zuckerman who wrote a whole book about it. Um, what's it called? Anyway, it's a really thick, big book. Uh, she teaches energy. She goes into all the different layers and colours and frequencies of the of the form of our, you know, our physical and energetic forms and there's there's so much to who we are I mean if you study anatomy it blows your mind or physiology it blows your mind the workings of the physical body and then you go into energetic anatomy um, it's like even more mind-blowing who we are as these energetic beings there's so many layers to us you know there's the etheric and astral and I am presence and divine presence and all, like there's just so many different layers to us. It, yeah, it blows your mind. But it's so fascinating that you saw you saw that when you were, um, that they were educating you about that. They were. They were. They taught me a lot. <laughs> and it, it pertains to everybody. You know, so I, you know, I hope anybody that reads my story will realize these aren't just for me. This yeah. pertains to Everybody. everybody. And so we're never alone. We're never alone. We're surrounded by beings all the time. And we are always in contact with the with the, the heavenly realm, the, yeah. the blissful beings. The blissful beings. The blissful yeah. beings. That's what they called themselves. Yeah, well, to- I can imagine as blissful as it is up there. Yeah. They didn't really want to give me a name uh, when I kept asking and asking and asking, who are you? Who are you? Who are you? What do I call you? 
and uh, and then one I called my I had a shop a homeware shop and I called it Bliss, and then after I shut that down, I started my massage business. Um, I had studied as a naturopath and I'd done five years full time and studied the body extensively, but I didn't want to work as a naturopath, but I worked as a massage person for quite a while. Um, and I, just, I kept the name of my shop and I called it Blissful Beings. And when they, I kept saying, persisting, like, who am I talking to? Who, who, who? Because the word God didn't do it for me. I'm sorry, Janet. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's, it's, it's something I grew up with. But it's, I, it's something it I did. I am, the universe, yeah, the I am. everything. And, they, and one day they just sort of like, they just, they laugh at me a lot. They have a great sense of humor. They just said, well, who do you think Blissful Beings are? And I just had this like aha moment. <gasps> you know, I've got, I call my business Blissful Beings, thinking that, you know, we're being blissful, you have a massage, you feel all blissful, all that sort of thing. But I said, wow, it's you guys. You know, it's, it's, it's you. And because um, I used to call them the mob, but then they gave me this prettier name, Blissful Beings. But, you know, we had this great email exchange before the show talking about this word God and, and how you refer to God as the he. And I was saying that, you know, with my work, it's important that we understand that there is not a God outside of our own, uh, our own divine presence, that, that we are the extension of this energy we call God. And, and you said, yeah, it's just my Christian upbringing. But since that email exchange, I watched this um, movie called Come Sunday, and it's about the evangelistic pre preacher called Carlton Pearson. Have you heard of him? No, I, I haven't. He's a, um, when you were talking about Benny Hinn, you know, he was uh, educated in the evangelistic Christian doctrine and uh, he was a preacher and he was preaching to congregations of up to 6,000 people and he, and there's this whole hierarchical business, like he was at the top of his game. He was at the top of his game, uh, luxury, and he had the beautiful wife and the big house and the, anyway, has this fabulous personality, big ego, huge ego, a bit like Benny Hinn. These evangelistic preachers, they have this massive ego because it takes that ego to get yourself out there in front of people which I find with a lot of people like um, you know, like you or other experiences or spiritual teachers, they don't really have that ego. And for them, it's very difficult to put themselves out there in front of crowds and on, you know, doing what we're doing now. And, but uh, he had, he said God spoke to him and told him that there was no hell. And a part of his doctrine was the whole hell and heaven thing. If you're good, you go to heaven. If you're bad, you go to hell. And so people were going to hell left, right and center. And he was preaching this like his grandfather went to hell and his uncle went to hell. Everyone's living in an in internal damnation. Anyway, he came out and told people there wasn't any hell. And it's a true story about this guy and how that completely rocked the evangelistic world because their doctrine is based on a hell that's real that you go to that's everlasting um, you know like there is only this life and then that life and where you go after this is everlasting and uh, it's glad he finally came out with it well I know it's 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 fascinating the whole story and there are people that are still inside that doctrine and belief system that will argue till the day they die that he is wrong and that there is only heaven and earth and hell and heaven and hell. And if you're good, you go to heaven. And it's actually not even if you're good, actually. It's it's if you're saved by Jesus. And if you're not saved by Jesus, doesn't matter how good you are, doesn't matter if you're the most amazing 
um, you know, philanthropist or work in charities or how much good you do for the world if you if you're Muslim or Hindu or Buddhist, you're still going to hell, according to this. I know. So I was just thinking how he was really changing that. He um he went from this big stage to this tiny church, and but he was shown God, you know, showed him or his guides, his mob showed him that he would have an audience. And through this movie that has come out, he's now speaking to millions of people across the world. Uh, through the movie and through interviews so he's getting his message out there and uh, my guides have always said to me it's so important that the other distortion that we believe is that there is this god that we speak about is separate to us and that when humanity remembers that we are we are that source and we take back our power that we are the the creator that was the point of the blue and that was that 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 he's part we're part of the spirit we're always connected whatever you call it yeah. And it was interesting that the healing that, you know, the Cinderella touch, he wasn't on stage. So it wasn't Benny that was doing that to me. It was, it was the universal consciousness where Jesus was, was uh, tapping me on the head. So um, it would just happen to have occur at Benny's miracle crusade. Did, did you have a healing after that? Did your stuttering stop? Yes, I, it did eventually stop. Eventually, um, but it wasn't like an instant stutter one day, not the next. You know, I didn't really think about it. Um, I was thinking more about the math that I could do <laughs> because for a while there I couldn't do any math. You know, he wasn't letting me analyze anything. But right, so yeah. I was able to do some of the math again. Yeah, so yeah. I know my handshaking quit too because I – there was a point when I went to, because of the shaking, I went to a, what do they call that? Um, where people, you know, the shake, what's that? Parkinson's. Oh, Parkinson's. I went to a Parkinson's doctor. Right, right. And because I thought, well, we thought maybe it was Parkinson's disease. And he did tests and then he, he put his uh, uh, hand on my shoulder. And he was very nice about it. And he said, it's psychosomatic. I didn't know what psychosomatic was, but that's that's our our subconscious doing it to herself. Well, there again, there's the blissful beings doing what they they think they, I need to have done. So they have, I mean, they can heal us, they can create uh, illnesses, and they can sometimes to move us along because um, after my second marriage fell apart because we didn't know each other anymore. So many unusual things were happening because of the electrical mag- uh, magnet around your, your body. Yeah. My watches were dying. I, yeah. I could, with, because I was so empathic, I, I would get nauseous and sick going into a store. Absolutely. I was like just being hit with all this stuff. And yeah. I, I knew what people were actually feeling, even though they were trying to hide it. Um, and he thought I, I think he just, he didn't, he thought I was crazy, I think. So anyway, oh, eventually I did move along and the allergy went away. Yeah. Yeah. I know. It's so interesting. You know, I haven't had an, I was interviewed by beautiful Jaylene Tracy the other day who I've had on my show, who's a vibratory geneticist. She's just gorgeous. Anyway. And she said, you had an NDE, didn't you? And I said, well, no, no, I haven't, you know, died of anything that I remember. 
but I've got all those uh, what the NDEs call after effects. And um, it's because you've had some spiritually transformative. You don't have to die. You don't have to die. Yeah, exactly. So it's just the simple connection it can happen to anybody. So Absolutely. yes, you have all the after effects because of that. The watches, I stopped wearing watches probably 30 years ago. Yeah, I remember actually, yeah, my, my husband, it was funny, my first husband gave me a little watch for a wedding present, which he grew up in the Catholic thing, I don't know. Anyway, and uh, I thought it was so strange. He gave me this little watch with this black band. Um, here's a present, you know, because we're getting married. I'm like, oh, we're supposed to give each other's presents. I'm like, I didn't know that. Are we supposed to do that? And he gave me this watch and I remember looking at him and smiling and thinking, that's so sweet, but I'll never wear it. I can't wear watches. (laughs) I can wear wear them now. I've kind of grown accustomed to it. It's been such a long time ago. So, Uh, but I always go for the rubber ones, the rubber ones. Uh Uh-huh. But I mean the electrical because watches always stopped or they went different like time just time exactly. yeah linear time and me were are uh, yeah not not friends I, I I'm now I find it so hard to even think in linear time if somebody said something to me yesterday when I think about it it could be six months ago it could be a year ago it could be yesterday I have trouble conceptualizing linear time it happened don't ask me when it happened but it happened uh yeah so it's so interesting me too because I every people would ask me how old I was and I couldn't remember because I'm not an age person I'm not a time person that's that's very good doctor I wish I didn't reaching retirement age is thinking uh for Medicare I could finally get on Medicare and and that was uh that I watched my age then so that's so interesting yeah. that you say that. You know, my mob are constantly talking to me. And this morning, as I'm preparing to talk to you, doing all the sort of normal things that we do in the morning, I'm having this conversation about aging. And they were just yakking away about uh, about aging being, because I've been saying to them, how can I change the molecules of my body so that my skin stops aging like an old person, <laughs> right? <laughs> stops getting less elastic. And I've been talking to them in a very technical way. I know there's a mechanical thing that's happening in the body that doesn't necessarily happen. Years ago, when I did an energy healing course, we went into the psychically, we went into the pineal gland and we looked at the telomeres at the end of the chromosomes, which are like these little filaments. And um, and science has come out. This 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 was taught to me by a psychic healer before science knew about it. Um, the telomeres, as you age, they start to fray a bit. They just start to fray, and um, when you're younger, they're more robust. And um, so we were taught to go in there psychically and sort of repair the telomeres, and that would stop the aging process. And I've done that many times with myself, but I'm still aging. So I'm yakking away to them about aging and they say, well, it's more a mindset than it is anything. Yes, you it know, is. It's, it is. Yeah. We earn these wrinkles, you know. So <laughs> this one's because of my son. This one's because of me. And uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. And they said, try you, you think you're this particular age and you think at this particular age you're supposed to look, you know, a particular way. It's like you're just completely convinced that you're aging. They said, if you stopped thinking that way, you would stop aging. And they were telling me this this morning and I'm going, okay. So I'm sitting, they're telling me this as I'm sitting on the toilet. <laughs> I didn't want to say that, but this is where all this communication was happening. And I'm like, okay, if, what about if I think of myself as being 30, if I think of myself as being 30? And, you know, to my linear mind, I'm like, 
but I'm not 30. I'm, you know, it was felt like a lie. So, and then I had to sort of get on with the rest of my morning. So I couldn't go in depth. They said, well, when you, when you feel like 30, you'll look more like 30. And uh, anyway, they were just giving me all this stuff about aging. They just never, they never shut up. They're just yakking away. <laughs> I'm very like curious. Said, they never leave us alone. They never leave us alone. So I'm very curious. I'm always asking questions. And, um, you know, it's interesting. You, uh, I heard you say in another podcast that you call yourself Janet now, whereas before you used to call yourself Jan. Yes, exactly. Think of yourself as these two. Do you want to talk about that? These two completely. Well, different. after the ambush makeover, I just, you know, I started feeling different. Yeah. And I, 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 knew after the third near-death experience, I'm just not the same person anymore. Yeah. Um, I'm not that person. I'm, I'm a better version. Because of the ambush makeover, I was made into a better version. So, uh, yeah, so I started, Janet was my birth name, and it seemed much more adequate to me than Jan. Jan was just simply a different person. Yeah. So I don't yeah. think I don't think I'm a walk-in. I think I'm still the same person. I'm just a better version of it because he wants it to be honored. <laughs> uh, the universe wants to be honored, so uh, he's not going to leave me alone. So hey, and yeah. I do anyway. My gosh, um, I love them all. So. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's been just so fascinating. Your your story is so extensive. There's so much more to it. Uh, you know, you've just you just touched on stuff, especially going out to space and the council. And um, you know, I always ask people this question because I have such a curious mind. Um, did you ask them who they were and what they, why why they were talking to you? And most people say to me, "No, I was just so in the experience. I didn't ask any questions. I just you know was in the experience." Did you ask any of those questions during that uh, time the with council- your council? The council I knew were friends. I didn't ask their name, but I knew they were the ones that laid out uh, the sequence of these moments. Uh, Because obviously I had chosen things that I wanted to learn, but I was not privy to how they were going to manifest these things. And when I, because when I was sent back to my body, we were, I mean, they celebrated the fact that I actually learned, I had grasped the learning that they were trying to uh, teach me. And I was happy that I had had grasped it. And they were celebrating the fact that that I had achieved this milestone in in, uh, what they were trying to teach. And when I went back to my body, um, I was laughing and I said, this was so amazing how you laid this out for me to learn. So our lives are laid out and planned certain points uh, for a particular learning and people are in our lives for a reason. Yeah. Uh, just like Bob. So. Just like Bob. And what I love about your story too is that, you know, the concept of time, it all happened outside linear time, even that experience of you when you're 15 meeting your future daughter, you know, there mm-hmm. she is manifesting as a, as a woman um it just goes to show that you know what we think of as linear time it's not how it is you know there are probable realities that exist there are different timelines that exist the future and the past 
uh, and the future and the past of this life and the future and the past of other lives all exist simultaneously. And the decisions we're making in this now moment are determining which path, I think you call them pathways, I call them timeline. I think that's the same thing. Yeah, same thing. Yeah, uh, which timeline we get to experience in this particular experience. Just like you said with your son, you said that had you left your body at that time, which you had, a, you know, I don't think you actually had a choice. Well, yeah, okay, you had a choice. Yeah, they're saying you had a choice because they gave you that choice. Yeah, they gave um, you that choice for that picture. So you you would have created a different probable reality, a different pathway, a different timeline for your son, and and he would have gone down a different route. And and they so they gave you that knowledge and choice, choice. It's so interesting that when uh, I mean they put it in his heart to invite me to come live with him. He wanted a nicer apartment, and he wanted to get me back to Colorado, um, and so. Um, I went, I was ecstatic because he was the one child I never expected that to, to happen. That put me in the right place for what was going to happen. And after his, uh, um, experience, his lesson, um, I noticed that he wasn't going to the classes that were required. And I asked him, um, I noticed you're not going to the classes. What's going on? And he said, uh, I'm not going because he does, the, the man doesn't like me and I just don't, don't see any light at the end of the tunnel. Well, I was before that tunnel <laughs> when I saw his image and he's talking about this tunnel. So that was the subtle message that this is the moment. And when I told him, I said, well, you won't see any light at the end of the tunnel, Kurt, unless you start doing what you're supposed to do and then you'll get there. That sentence changed everything because I saw a light go on over his head. And I think he was thinking, uh, she's right. I better start doing what I, and so from that moment on, he did everything that he was supposed to do. Um, and he is now a supervisor at a great company and has a beautiful daughter who, by the way, was drawing, uh, the aura around people when she was little. Oh, I know. It's so cool. The kids are so cool, aren't they? Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So we're guided to the place we need to go if we listen. If we listen. And, you know, endlessly frustrating. I, when you're talking about your stutter, I was thinking about one of my little brothers. He's not little now, obviously, but he's, you know, a few months younger than me. Um, as a young boy, and he still does, he's, a you know, mid 50s now uh he still when he gets a little nervous he still he stutters too but he synchronous synchronously came to live with me for a period of time which is just kind of unheard of but the way things orchestrated and I'm like okay wow why is my adult brother coming to live with me for a few months like this is you know I offered him he needed a place and I offered him and I'm like so they're like no he needs to sort of be woken up so I tried my best to wake this guy up and he did not want to listen he did not want to listen you know he's had a couple of heart attacks and he did oh not my. want to listen and I was so frustrated and I'm talking to my guide saying you know he's not listening to anything I'm saying and they're saying he is listening he, he's going to take some time for it to sink in but he is listening and he might not act on it and he might not act on anything you've said for the next few years but he will eventually and I'm like 
oh, okay, that makes me feel better. But yeah, this stubbornness of mind, this stubbornness. So depression. Do you think it's a male thing? Do you think it's a male thing? thing? No, I think it's a human thing, Janet. I really do. (laughs) Depression and stuttering are two parts of his experience, you know. And I really believe that depression is your guidance system saying you're not fulfilling your life's plan. Like you're listening to what you should do instead of what you want to do. And and depression is you not being on your path or fulfilling your life's plan, not, not living into why you, the potential that you came to experience. And, yeah. and when you do shift from what you think you should do to, you know, and sometimes that means giving up jobs that pay you lots of money and maybe selling your house, you know, like we're so attached to our material comforts. Sometimes it means for a time you might need to sort of downsize in order to fulfill a life's calling. And yeah. so many people don't want to do that. And I've yeah. seen it. I, I recognized uh, that I had set my own limitations uh, because I thought I couldn't speak and I thought I couldn't write. Right. And, exactly. and so I had, we, we set up our own roadblocks when exactly. we would, we don't need to do that because that's not what uh, the blissful beings have in mind for us. We can do whatever we want to do. So, yeah, it's... it's Yeah, it's, exactly. And, uh, and uh, I know I'm, 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 I'm rabbiting on. It's like turning into a two-hour conversation. But, um, uh, you know, I spoke to this amazing woman called Susie Hansen who is um, part of uh, an extraterrestrial community and from that perspective from her life as an extraterrestrial she chose to come into a human form and when she did as a child she was up on the ships and she was playing with the blue orbs that were the you know the souls or the consciousness and she was introduced to them by the extraterrestrials and they said we want you to meet someone and this orb would show up and they'd say this will be your son when you grow up so it's so interesting that there's orbs yeah that the extraterrestrials have this complete remembrance and knowledge of who we are as spirit and they interact openly and and, you know like they interact with spirit as a normal as a normal thing just a normal thing you know like in a body out of a body doesn't matter still chatting to you you know whether I'm chatting to a blue orb or a a form what color blue was it well she said that there were different colored orbs that her son was more of an indigo blue Uh, but she, she was seeing more I think the blue that you saw was the blue of our etheric body it's like the life force whereas when you see the full um soul if you like soul i don't know words poor trying to explain what we but when you see that each soul has a different intention and that different intention radiates as a different color so um she was seeing him more as indigo and then she saw orbs that were different colors from her so would green be the healing ones healers uh what they i just asked and what they're saying is it can be but what they're saying is green is more of the um attention to the opening of the heart which of course as we know is is very healing yeah yeah the heart chakra yeah but Uh, what color is associated with healing because i thought that was green uh or is it different for each person? They're saying all colors are associated with healing. It depends on the distortion in the frequency that you're trying to rebalance. 
So um, a chakra system or something? Yeah, it depends on the distortion. It's it's dependent. They said all colors are associated with healing because there are some people uh, that we'll get into a whole lesson if you start asking me questions. There are some some people who have have disconnected to their vitality, and so there would be red energy that would be uh, amplified, turned up. The volume would be turned up on their red energy, which would be their base chakra. Uh, there are some people that are, um, are more disconnected to their spirit, so that more indigo colours would be um, the, the purple flame. It just depends what you're doing. But um, it, it has, I know classically green has been denoted with healing, um, but they're saying that's just you humans <laughs> trying to put everything in a box. <laughs> that's just you guys putting everything in a box. But, yeah, all colours are, um, that's, I've never heard them say that before, Janet. All colours are involved in healing that's um so i just well, that makes sense today. when you're working with the chakra system yeah stuff. when you're working with energy yeah. yeah different energy depending on what you want healed what you want to experience yeah yeah fascinating well we could go into a whole conversation about you oh, yes but uh oh darling one it's just been so beautiful thank you so much so mind-blowing you thank you for having me your experience is just so fabulous and you've got so much to share and uh you know I want to honor you for um for doing it <laughs> for listening for listening it was like I kept things so secret for so long and then I just wanted to blah, you know get it out there blah. I had so much to say so. absolutely Mm-hmm. I love the bit about the namaste and you didn't know what it meant and um, you know I don't know if you've watched many of my shows but at every at the beginning yeah. and end of every show I do this to people and it's not a prayer it's it is the namaste, namaste symbol it it's the um the divine in me honors the divine in you we are mm-hmm. one that's the meaning of namaste it's like we are one yeah. and the, the the divine source in me recognizes the divine source in you uh, mm-hmm. where we meet as one and uh, so that's what I mean when every time yes. I do that to people Me too. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to do that to you again and just thank you so much and uh, yeah just people if they want to learn more about you obviously they can go to your website which is your name uh, janettarantino.com and you've got a Facebook page Janet Tarantino N-D-E with an R on it and you've got an Instagram page, Janet Tarantino uh, slash author, and Twitter as well. So you're all over the shop. Good on you, darling. You're getting out there. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Spread that message far and wide. You know, I think it's really important if you go uh, to bring this message of oneness and unity um, into into the evangelical world, into the religious world. So um, I'm trying to get in there because they need to be. Uh, we need to be connected because we're all looking for the same thing. Yeah. And uh, if I could open up their mind, just like Benny, you know, saying that there is no, you know, no hell, if we can get in there. Uh, I did ask the church if uh, the church, I go to a different church. Actually, I'm not a member there, but I enjoy the people there and it's not evangelical. Um, and they said they put my book in the bookstore. So oh, maybe, lovely. yeah. Uh, but then the COVID started. And now yeah. everything's not quite the same. So I'll get in there. I, it's already in another church where my mom and dad were. So Yeah. I think that that knowledge that the, the oneness of being of who we are as one, you know, ultimately we are, we are God, uh, which is sort of blasphemy, is heresy when you say that in a church situation. But that belief, apart from there's no hell and we are God, uh, that 
those two beliefs in themselves will just change the world because if you know that you are me and I am you, you stop hurting people because, you know. You know, and it's in the Bible. It is in the Bible. Sure it is. You'd it hope is it was, you would hope and that it was in the Bible, <laughs> a book that even, so many people revere. You would hope that it's in there somewhere. <laughs> it, it is actually in there. They just they, they limit it. They limit it to the human world and it's not limited. Mm-hmm. Anyway, we oh, should go. Goodness. Let people let you go and have, <laughs> enjoy your evening. I've loved it. I've really enjoyed it, Karen. Me too. I've loved it. Thank you so mm-hmm. much. Wow, what an amazing conversation with the beautiful Janet. Isn't she gorgeous? Of course, like usual, we were yakking uh, more after I turned off the recording because I thought if I don't turn off the recording, we'll just be here talking all day because there's so much there's so much to her story and she was telling me more things about what happened. It's extensive. I suspect it's all in her book. And if you want to read all about it uh, and you want to support the show, you, I'll put the affiliate link on my website page which you can see in the description. And um, if you want to support us, you can buy her book on the affiliate link. Uh, yeah, more, lots more to come from Janet, lot, lot, lot more to come from Janet. She, an extensive story and she's got lots of ideas of how to teach people and she was telling me about her granddaughter and how psychic she is and, um, yeah, amazing, amazing woman. It's important for us, and the guides were giving her a message after the show. Uh, it's important for if you are a grandmother or a mother or you're around children that are really psychic and uh, you're a light worker or a light weaver, it's important for you to um, remind them of the validity of their experiences because there will be people around them, whether in the schooling systems or whatever system or their parents that are not awake or open to this that will tell them to dismiss it, to not think about it. Oh, it's just your imagination. It's just a dream. Don't pay it any attention. You know, there will be people about them, around them trying to dismiss their experiences. So if you are around children that do talk about their experiences, or even if they don't, ask them. I remember asking my daughter when she was young um, to meet her spirit guides, and she was just so there. She's so, it's so easy for her. It's just like, bang, it's just there. Uh, so... Yeah, speak to them about it and make it normal. Take the woo-woo out of the closet. Take the woo-woo out of the woo-woo. What does Jamie Butler say? It's not woo-woo, it's true-true. The guides were just saying to Janet that, uh, you know, the children that are coming in that are so psychic and so open, they're here to establish it as a normality and for it to stop being seen as different. And uh, because we are moving into a a timeline a world where telepathy will become the norm of communication it's not going to happen in my lifetime like you know at the at the rate of the way things are going i can't even imagine it's going to happen in my daughter's lifetime but it will happen so the little kids that are being born that are so psychic and they talk about speaking to their spirit guides or they talk about seeing extra terrestrials or looking into other dimensions and talking to grandma in another dimension or seeing stuff to not make it about being their fantasy and to remind them that it is a reality and that we have multi-dimensional realities but they're all equally as valid as this reality sometimes more valid than this reality because they remind us of the reality of who we are as connected beings of the one love light here to experience physical form and limitation 
but we are connected to the unlimitedness and the unlimited potential of who we are and that we are the creators of our experiences, not the uh, victim of them, be it good or bad. Um, but we have from some aspect of us, that aspect that Janet calls God, he said this to me and he set this up and he set that up. Um, uh, that aspect that we call he, the God, is, is us, in fact, that, that part of the divine that is overlooking and orchestrating this life is us, is our higher self. I said to my mob once sitting up in bed one night, thinking about all this religious stuff, I said, who, who, who do people pray to when they pray to God? Who are they speaking to? If God is the infinite and the all, and the infinite and the all is just mind-bogglingly um, bigger than we can even hope to imagine, like think of all the universes and all the different dimensions and um, just speaking to all the people that I've spoken to over the years and the experiences they have, it's not even a grain of sand on the beach of the of the vastness of the experience of what we can have in consciousness. So what part of God is listening to our, per like is involved in our personal story here on earth? And they just said, quick as a flash well your higher self of course so that you know when we're praying to god please god please help me please or please help you know fix this person or that personal aspect of the divine is our higher self that god that we pray to is us is us and we can tap into that broader perspective that mind-blowingly expanded uh, view of life love in the universe we can tap into it anytime we want and uh Yes, it's important. So if you're tapped into that and you've got kids around you that are tapped into that, make it normal. <laughs> make it normal. Yeah, so beautiful. Just such a, I loved that. As I love all the shows, I loved that. Such a beautiful lady. Since she got amazing eyes, the most beautiful blue eyes. Such so, so angels in her eyes. I saw a lot of angelic presence around Janet. A lot of angelic presence around Janet. Big team, big mob. Uh, yeah, big big mob. And she was saying that she's only really started speaking about it over the last three years. So um, there's more to come. Thanks again for watching and listening. And uh, uh, yeah, finally, Penny Kelly finally got back to me. She's not coming into the Inner Sanctum this weekend, but I'll reschedule her for a later date. Turns out she's she's busy as, she's, she's packing the house, she's moving somewhere, she's doing something. She didn't elaborate, but um, she can't make it this weekend. So I might invite someone else in, a surprise guest. I'm just thinking about who I've got someone in mind. Maybe Kate to talk about the angels. Although I was going to talk, I was going to get, invite Kate in at the beginning of the year to meet up my little online tribe and kick off 2021 with the angelic message. But I don't think we can ever have enough angelic messages. So I might invite her in this weekend and next weekend if she can make it. Or maybe even get Janet to come in. Anyway, I'll get her in at another time to meet my little tribe and we can quiz her and ask her questions and discuss all this stuff. That's what we do in the inner sanctum. I was saying to her that, you know, a lot of the people that are in there, are they know they're here to make a difference. And although they can get activated and connected to exalted wisdom and channel it, as many of them have channeled through guidance, what do you do with that once that you know you can do that? Now you have to get that guidance out in a way that people can hear it and, and receive it. And that's the challenges a lot of them face. Do a blog, do start a YouTube channel, write a book, 
uh, write some songs, write some poetry, but get it out there so people can uh, benefit from your connection to your higher wisdom. So overcoming ego and fear and, and shyness and confidence is a lot of what we talk about too in the inner sanctum. And I kind of push people out there and get them activated and doing things. Yeah, we're all in this together. So this weekend, surprise guest in the inner sanctum. And then, of course, I'm on every week talking about deliberate creation and all sorts of things, how we flow our energy. And you can ask me and my mob any questions you like. Uh, the, quest, the the teaching I got about ageing, <laughs> I'm sitting on the loo this morning, hilarious when they decide to talk to me, uh, was fascinating, but they're on hand to teach. They're great teachers, brilliant teachers. They're on hand all the time and they're teaching me constantly, especially when people are talking to me on the shows. They're yakking away in my head. I'm asking questions like, oh, really? What was that? How does that work? What, tell me about that. Tell me about that when people are telling me things. And the answer. Anyway, I'm going to go. It's been a long show. And love to you all. Namaste to you all. And remember to buy the book, Awakened by Death. It's uh, it's expansive and life-transforming. It's a beautiful book. And I'll see you soon. Bye for now. <laughs>